0: We started in our series on Micah, and we got through Chapter 1. And some of the uh, things that are probably most important in Chapter 1 is uh, the sin of Jacob. Most people don't understand what the sin of Jacob is. Uh, You go through and read lots and lots of commentaries, and they just don't quite figure out what the sin of Jacob actually was. And uh, if you also look at the first part of Micah, uh, it's talking about, uh, Hear all ye people, hearken, O earth, and all that herein is. That's not a message just for Israel. It's for all ye people, hearken, O earth, and all that therein is. It also talks about two different lords. In uh, your King James version, you see a Lord, all capitals, and that is Yahweh, and then another Lord that is referred to as uh, Adonai, uh, Elohim. Uh, it is uh, is what we call God, and they also talk about the Lord from His holy temple. And of course, we have a link on the page uh, at preparing you to what are these temples that everybody else sets up and what is the Lord's temple and how does the Lord's temple function. When they talk about the transgression of Jacob down in uh, verse 4 and uh, into verse 5, they also talk about is it not Sumeria and then we ask the question of What is Samaria? And it also talks about Jerusalem, and we say, what is Jerusalem? And of course, Samaria is actually a Hebrew word that means watch mountain, the watch, like the watchman on the wall. And Jerusalem is double peace, both in spirit and in truth, and in word and in deed. A lot of people say they believe in Jesus in word, but indeed they are saying, they don't believe in Jesus because they are doing the exact opposite of Jesus. So, then it talks, finally, at the end of that a man-devised chapter, because there are no chapters except what we put in as chapters. It talks about uh, enlarging thy baldness uh, as the eagle. And, of course, the word there, eagle, could be like vulture as well. Uh, but... Uh, Baldness has to do with mourning, and it talks about the moaning of the dragon and the moaning of the owls, and you. It also mentions all these other inhabitants of Maresha, and uh, Adulam, and uh, other places. And we include there in brackets that these all these places that they're mentioning have names that means something and clearly in the text in which they are stated they're they're trying to impart information to you about what he's talking about, Gath, the wine press, and Sapphire, the beauty, and it talks, Pass ye away, thou inhabitants of Sapphire So the beauty is gonna go away. Talks about having thy shame which is having thy confusion uh, naked, in other words, exposed. That you really don't know what's going on. That you, and this is all a part of the prophecies of Christ's coming, which we will see later on. That uh, Micah is talking about prophecies of Christ, and Christ came because the people sat in darkness. And this is the prelude in and uh, Micah one to that darkness and they also mention uh the hire of prostitutes and of course we talked previously uh in the bible where they talk about strange wives and putting your strange wives the woman is often a caregiver by nature and when you see them referring to strange woman or strange wives they're talking about strange ways of being a caregiver in your society just as we so also when they talk about idols and graven images, graven images includes images that you worship in your mind. Anything constructed by men or the words of men is a graven image. And if you worship what you constructed to believe to be true, you are worshiping a graven image. You can only worship what is true. Because that is what God is, the existing one, what is true. And so anyway, the, and the idols of course can be anything that you create and, and you fall down and worship and serve that and therefore it says, and all the idols thereof will I lay desolate. In the nature of God's creation, if you stray from the formula of the way of God, the character of God, then desolation will come it's not like God decides well I think I will desolate them it's built into the system if you turn your back on the ways of God if you try to decide for yourself what is good and evil confusion will come and darkness will come and there will be cause and reason to mourn so anyway let's get right into Micah 2 Starts off right away with, Woe to them that devise iniquity and work evil upon the beds when the morning is light. They practice it because it is in the power of their hand. The power, and I have here the, that word power that you see, it's uh, translated God. Sixteen times, but power four times. It is uh, uh, ll is the actual word, and it's from Hebrew words. It's this four ten ll uh, in the concordance, and it's supposedly in in the Greek would be corresponding to that. But uh, it it can be power, but it can also be just false gods, as well as it could sometimes reference the God, depending on all upon the context. It's actually even translated idol, at least once, and great another time. So, how can you have so many different meanings? It means a God or God-like one or mighty one. So... When he says this, uh, because it is in the power of their hands. It's in the gods that they create with their hands. That's another way of translating it. But the key words here is, woe to them that devise iniquity. And if we go back to what is the sin of Jacob, and what does that have to do with devising a plan, that's what the word devise means, to plan iniquity to trouble, to work, to do evil and wickedness. And of course, Christ says, many will come in my name or claim to be coming in my name and even do great things in my name, but they're actually workers of iniquity because they devise iniquity. They also work iniquity. So what was the sin of Jacob? I haven't mentioned it again yet. I just mentioned that there was this sin of Jacob. And of course, Jacob made a deal with his brother so that his brother waived a right to his natural inheritance in order to get the benefits of the pottage, the porridge, whatever you want, whatever the, the supplies, the food of his brother Jacob. He said, I will give you this, but you have to give me your inheritance. And that was the sin of Jacob. He tempted his brother to give up his inheritance. Yet we hear that God hated Esau. Did he really hate Esau or did he hate the deeds of Esau? He hated what Esau did because Esau sold his birthright. Who else does God hate the deeds of? Well, of course, it's the Nicolaitans. And we have links there to an article on the Nicolaitans. The sin of Esau was that he sold his birthright. He despised the dominion that was given him and chose to give it away for benefits. The greatest destroyers of liberty, the greatest destroyers of the right to choose are those who grant amongst the people gifts, gratuities, and benefits. And that's what you see playing out here uh, all the way in Micah 1. And now that we're in Micah 2, and we see it in verse 1. And if you go on to verse two it says and they covet fields, take them by violence, they seize them. That's a the, that word that we see translated violence also means to seize uh, not only the fields but the houses and take them away so they oppress a man and his house, even a man and his heritage. Well, who does that? Who takes the houses away from people? Well, of course, we see in war that that comes about where, you know, somebody will take away a house and drive the people out and drive them out of their valley and what have you. And We saw that when the different uh, kings crowned by the Roman church was going around through Europe and conquering one valley after another and persecuting this Christian group or that Christian group because they weren't the Christians that they thought they should be. And they drove them out of their homes and they persecuted them. And that's pretty dramatic, pretty obvious. Most people don't study enough history to know that that all took place. But who does that today? Who oppresses people in their homes? Who take their homes away from them? Where you have to pay them to keep your home. I remember I was staying in a home when I was going around on uh, uh, one of our tours. And uh, the guy said that his home, he had to pay $20,000 a year in property tax. So every year he had to pay $20,000 in property tax. And if he missed a year or two... The state would come and take his house away from him. I know lots of people who have lost their homes because their husband died and they couldn't pay the property tax anymore. Now, they probably should have sold it and cut their losses, but uh, some cases they, they were in bad shape themselves and didn't make the wisest decisions. And the counties came and took their house away from them and sold it at auction, and they didn't get a dime. And But everybody got to go to public schools, and the money funded the public education because they covet fields and take them by violence, seize them, and houses, and take them away so they oppress a man and his house, even a man and his heritage. What do they mean by heritage? Inheritance tax. We have that today, too. All these things are contrary to the teachings of Micah. And Micah was like God in the sense that he was in accordance with the character of God. We are not to be robbing the widows and orphans. We aren't to have an inheritance tax. We should not have a property tax. All these things are in opposition to Christ. We didn't always have them in America. But we have them today because we have gradually and steadily moved away from the wisdom of God and the ways of God and the way, as Christianity was called. We still call ourselves Christians, but we're not doing what Christ said. So verse 3 goes on to say, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, against this family do I devise an evil. From which ye shall not remove your necks, neither shall ye go haughtily, for this time is evil. In that day shall one take up a parable against you, and lament with a doleful lamentation, and say, We be utterly spoiled, he hath changed the portion of my people. How hath he removed it from me? Turning away, he hath divided our fields. Therefore, thou shalt have none that shall cast a cord by lot in the congregation of the Lord. So, what is that? What are they talking about? Well, actually, we can go into, you know, why did they say uh, cast a cord by lot? In the congregation of the Lord. In early Israel, they took care of the needy of society through free will offerings. That's actually what their, their Corban was, a free will offering. Corbin meaning sacrifice. When it's a free will offering, it draws you to God. That's why the word Corbin comes from a word that means to draw near. Because if you go the way of God... And take care of the needy of your society through love and charity. Love and charity are sometimes the same word in the Greek. Then you will draw near to God. If you do it through force. If you do it through compelled offerings. You will make the word of God to none effect. And you will drive God away. I mean now God doesn't go away. But the wisdom of God goes away from you. And that's when you begin to sit in darkness. So we see the deeds of the Nicolaitan are based on where you go into a group. If you, if you go look up Nicolaitan at preparing you, we go through it with scripture step by step. So you can see that Nico means conquered. Laeton means laity, the people. It is equated in the Bible with the error of Balaam. Balaam, Ba meaning conquered also lam meaning people so Balaam is the conquered people the Nicolaitans are the conquered people it doesn't have anything with, to do with anybody named Nicholas that's not why they call them Nicolaitan it has to do with the fact that they have become the conquered people why have they become the conquered people because of gifts gratuities and benefits What did Peter say? Through covetous practices, desiring those gifts, gratuities, and benefits, what the Bible calls the rewards or in some places the wages of unrighteousness. And we will actually see a verse, uh, a phrase in one of the verses of Micah that is the same as the wages of unrighteousness. But because these are you're crossing languages and you have different people translating at different times, you might miss it. But if you read it in context and you look at that phrase, you can see they're talking about the same thing. Remember, this message of Micah is not just going out to Israel. It's going out to all the earth. And as we work our way through it, we will begin to understand that this message is not unique to Micah. It was what in the message of John the Baptist, in the message of Christ, in the message of Peter, in the message of Paul, and in the message of all the prophets. Because we're going to go through all the prophets eventually, God willing, and the creeks don't rise. (laughs) So, anyway, in verse 6, we see the word prophesy. But it says, prophesy ye not, say they to them that prophesy... They shall not prophesy to them that they shall not take shame. So, what what is he saying there? They shall not take shame, not prophesy. He says, prophesy ye not. Say they to them that prophesy. They shall not prophesy to them that they shall not take shame. O thou that are named the house of Jacob, back to that era of Jacob, the way of Jacob, the deeds of Jacob, is the spirit of the Lord straightened? Are these his doings? Do not my words do good to him that walketh uprightly? Even of late... My people is risen up as an enemy. ye pull off the robe with the garment from them that pass by securely as men averse from war so anyway, what's really going on? We go back to the house of Jacob again what was the sin of jacob that's what they that's the way they referred to it in the Micah 1, now that we're supposedly in Micah 2, which is just farther along in the same message. We just divide it up into chapters so you can find your way around. But the house of Jacob is the house, believe it or not, we'll just go jump right to it, is the house of FDR. The house of Jacob is the house of FDR because he's making a deal. Waive your right to a portion of your labor, and we will guarantee you Social Security. But by doing so, you will become the Nicolaitan and literally the enemy of God because you will not take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. But you will take care of one another to some extent for at least a while through force and fear and fealty because that's you're going under fealty when you go under Pharaoh. When you go under Pharaoh, you have to labor for Pharaoh and he will protect you. And Israel had to do that because they did not see the famine coming. They did not see the famine coming because they cast their own brother into bondage. I was talking to somebody who's out visiting this week, maybe this whole month. They're talking about things that they decided to do a certain way. And and I was telling them, I don't go around trying to second-guess what people ought to do. I talk in principles, but specifically, I don't know. Should you go here? Should you go there? The Holy Spirit has to guide you in your day-to-day actions. I can say you should not covet your neighbor's goods, especially through the agency of men who exercise authority, because if you do that, you will go under authority. You should not bite one another lest ye become devoured. All of those things you have done. So, The reality is, how you go about your day-to-day life, I don't know. You have to be led to the Holy Spirit, but what draws you near the Holy Spirit is to come in the name of Christ. And what does that mean? That means to come to serve. If you come to bite one another, then you're not walking upright. Remember, you're supposed to be seeking the kingdom of God in His righteousness, so you're supposed to be thinking the government of God and thinking and seeking that government of God which provides you benefits in righteousness, not the wages of unrighteousness, but the wages of righteousness. And people aren't doing that, and they haven't been doing that in America since FDR. I mean, they didn't instantly stop, but certainly they stopped by FDR, where they said, well, yeah, I will have security because the government will take from my neighbor. And we talked about that in the first show. So we'll go on here in verse 8. Even of late my people is risen up as an enemy. That means they're the enemy of God. You have enmity for God if you decide to bite one another and take from your neighbor and force, you know, take take from his house and oppress him in his house and, and be greedy for gain. Uh, all these things makes you an enemy of God. Even though you may say, Lord, Lord, you're actually a worker of iniquity. Remember the very first line, devise iniquity. Woe unto them who devise Iniquity, And, of course, that's what FDR was doing, was devising iniquity, saying, yeah, we can take care of one another. I'll just force people to contribute, and then we will provide for you. Of course, the reason he was doing that was they were already bankrupt because they had already strayed in other ways from the ways of God. They didn't have just weights and measures anymore. By uh, 1929, they were running out of collateral Federal Reserve was not loaning more of these paper dollars into circulation. More and more silver and gold was disappearing from circulation. Then there was HJR 192 that came about and that was outlawing, uh, the ownership of gold and eventually they went off the silver standard in 1977, I think, around there. And, uh, the same things were going on in Rome. They were Taking silver out of the silver denarii... At first they only took out 10%. They did something similar in Canada. They took out, I think, about 40% or maybe it was 60% of the silver of the Canadian silver coin. And then eventually now they have no silver in those coins at all. And this is part of the fulfillment of that same walking in another way. If a man walking in the spirit... And falsehood do lie, saying, I will prophesy unto thee of wine and of strong drink. He shall even be the prophet of this people. What people? The people that are, that arise ye and depart, for this is not your rest, because it is polluted. Remember what it says, uh, where it talks about the pollution of the world, it shall destroy you even with a sore destruction. And that, that sore destruction, you'll see the same reference to sores in Revelation because it is going to undo you. It'll be your undoing as a nation. It will drive you into debt. There will be runaway inflation. There will be total bankruptcy. And the people are already weakened with this, uh, uh, shutdown and false pandemic. All this is taking place and they have devised a much bigger plan than Jacob. They have their reset plan and now you see this all unfolding. Not that similar things have not happened throughout the ages and different times in history. But now lots and lots of things are coming together. They're coming together all over the world there is no new world to go to, to flee to. Uh, Yuri, that we, uh, have his interviews up on, uh, preparing you, um, concerning their, the downfall of the United States and the planned downfall of the United States by the Soviet Union. Not that the Soviet Union is behind all this, but, uh, you know, Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates and all these people are, are instrumental in this. But who is really behind it is probably the mounting of the dragon. (laughs) But the the same word for dragon is also the word for serpent. And, of course, there was supposedly a serpent in the garden. So is this the same character? It certainly is the same spirit that is coming upon us. So even if we go back here to uh, verse 9, The women of my people have ye cast out from their pleasant houses. From their children have ye taken away my glory forever. What has happened over the last 50 years is the woman has left the home and gone into the workplace. She thinks she is more independent that way. But she, they are actually dividing the family. Ultimate goal is the breakdown of the family. That's absolutely essential because the ultimate goal of Christ was to return every man to his possessions and every man to his family. And now you hear in the news where they say things like, you will have nothing and you will be happy. I don't know if you'll be happy, but they say you will be happy when you have nothing. They've removed the woman and the wife. They've undone the natural, uh, nature of man and woman and the relationship of man and woman. They've removed the children from the home, put them in public schools so you're no longer teaching your children. Somebody else is teaching your children. It's been going on for more than a generation now. This is, this is what he's predicting because this is always the way they have to go of breaking down the family. Uh, we talked before about studies that have gone out that whenever they have a sexual revolution in a society, and you can go back in ancient history and find where suddenly everybody had to Early Rome, family was key. Strengthen the family, maintain the family. Early Germany, the Teutons, the family was key. Uh, cheating in your family, that just wasn't a thing. It did happen from time to time, but it was so frowned upon that it just was not done that people worked out men and women weren't at odds with with each other they depended upon each other the children depended on the parents and then eventually the parents depended upon the children and that was the way it was going so when you were raising your children your children had to realize that You know, I have to honor my father and my mother, which means to fatten, to take care of your father and mother so that your own days will be long upon the land. This is all written into the law. But evil wants to break down those families, separate those children, separate husbands and wives, put them at enmity, try to make the young people think that men and women have been fighting each other since time began, which is absolutely the opposite. Men have been fighting to protect women uh, because a woman was the bearer of their future, the bearer of their sons and daughters. And family was everything. You couldn't survive without the family. The African-American, after the Civil War, when they were set free by the uh, diligent efforts of white men <laughs> fighting the Civil War, setting... The slaves free because even people like Jefferson opposed slavery. Robert E. Lee opposed slavery, thought that they weakened the people. Uh, When he inherited slaves from a relative, he freed them before the Civil War. This is You wouldn't know that. You should erect statues in commemoration of Robert E. Lee, who was not fighting for slavery. He was fighting for states' rights so that the federal government did not become the all-powerful uh, supreme authority of your lives. But you don't know that, so you got people out there tearing down Robert E. Lee statues, don't even know who he is, don't know history, uh, been taught lies and falsehoods in school, but of course you're taught lies and falsehoods in the news as well. You're taught lies and falsehoods when you studied Bible in Bible college today because you don't know that if you covet your neighbor's goods, you'll become merchandise. You'll become human resources. You'll curse your children. Yet, that's exactly what Peter says in the New Testament after the resurrection. And you don't realize that that's exactly what you've been doing. Coveting your neighbor's goods. And these covetous practices. As loving the wages of unrighteousness. So, anyway... The women have been separated. The children have been separated. It says, Arise ye and depart, for this is not your rest, because it is polluted. It shall destroy you, even with a sore destruction, like it says in Revelation. Yet, I heard somebody the other day on one of our network groups say that he is an ambassador uh of God. I don't know the guy. I don't know what he's doing But he thinks you become an ambassador by changing your name and by throwing away ID and not using that as ID of the government and all that. No, you become an ambassador to God by doing the will of the Father. You should be a husband of one wife. Your children should be all in order. I don't know. Maybe they are with this fellow. Maybe not. Maybe he's just... uh, going about, out of the systems, thinking that he is an ambassador, thinking that he is a virgin because he's not a member of this prostituted, hired society, etc. And if so, he may be a foolish virgin because he has no oil. He's he's not doing what Christ actually said. But I don't know. Uh, I sent him our... An article that I had put together a long time ago concerning apostles, I added a little bit more to it and then posted it. But I haven't heard anything back, and if, if he has said something back, I haven't had a chance to see it. But anyway, in verse 11, we we hear this sword destruction is coming. If a man walking in the spirit and falsehood do lie, saying I will prophesy unto thee of wine and strong drink. He shall even be the prophet of his people. That we see as the next paragraph begins in verse 12. I will surely assemble, O Jacob, all of thee. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I will put them together as the sheep of Basra. Basra meaning fortress. As the flock in the midst of the foal, they shall make great noise by reason of the multitude of men. The breaker is come up before them. They have broken up and have passed through the gate and are gone out by it. And their king shall pass before them and the Lord on the head of them. So, is he talking about a good thing or a bad thing? Is he talking about, well, the strong drink and uh wine and strong drink. He shall even be the prophet of this people. Is that strong drink a good drink? Is that a bad drink? I will surely assemble, O Jacob, all of thee. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. Well, wasn't. Oh Jacob wasn't weren't they talking about the sin of Jacob and uh talking about this uh you know tempting people to follow after this way and of course it's it's exactly what Peter was talking about the you know that would entangle us again in the yoke of bondage and uh so is that what was actually taking place that uh, or is this a good thing that he is assembling uh, there is a possibility that he is also referring to that while these bad things are going on, that he will assemble and he's telling old Jacob he will assemble a remnant of Israel again, remember from our study earlier study that Israel is a place where God prevails, so there is a people in which will prevail they will see the truth. Of the gospel. They will see the truth of the prophets and they will follow after the ways of Christ. They will come in the name of Christ to serve others, not to serve themselves. They won't be these prostitutes for hire. They're not going to tickle your ears. They're going to tell you the truth. And it says, I will put them together as the sheep of Basra. Now, the sheep of Basra, the sheep of the fortress. Who are the sheep of the fortress? And uh, where would we go to come together with that remnant of Israel? Well, I'm not going to tell you now, but I will tell you, we have devised what we call the living network. And uh, that is not a plan devised in iniquity. It's a plan devised by Christ. Because Christ commanded that his disciples... Make the people sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands so that they can have a daily ministration based on charity and hope and faith. And that's what we've done is we've created what we call the network, which is just email groups based on geography. And if you're in Texas, you join the one in Texas. If you're in Idaho, you join the one for Idaho. And if they get too big, we will... Make them so that you can join the one in Boise. But what the purpose of those groups is so that you can organize yourselves in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And you want to organize yourselves in the tens, hundreds, and thousands so that there can be a daily ministration. So that you can go somewhere if they, you know, where are they going next with the COVID shutdown? We know that the 15-day uh or two week uh, slowdown to keep the hospitals from being overwhelmed, which never really happened, now turned into more than a year. And now they're talking permanent mass mandates for years and years. And there really isn't the death rate. The, so, where are they going next? Now everybody has to get a vaccination. Well, they're not forcing it yet, but they're still getting all the people that go down willingly and comply. But they are still saying everybody's going to have to get it. They are talking about you won't be able to fly, you won't be able to get a job, you won't be able to um, go to school, you won't be able to uh, do all sorts of things if you don't get this untested, unproven vaccination that serious top-level epidemiologists warn you against. This could cause uh, a mass... Not sterilization, but a mass inability of producing offspring, where you will be aborting your children before they have uh, come to full term. It may cause hypertension to millions upon millions upon millions of people because of the thickening of the smooth wall muscles of your heart it may cause liver damage, it may cause other damages, it may cause ADE, it may cause pathogenic priming, all of which we have seen when similar vaccines have been tested, all of which have shown up in studies from Georgetown Universities of people who have the S1 protein in their body, either from COVID or from these shots. And so where where are they going next? If there's food shortages, there will be ration stamps. If there's ration stamps, will you get it if you don't have an immunity certificate? So now, am I saying these possibilities so that you can run off and save yourself? No. Am I saying these so that you can become afraid? No. I'm saying them so that you repent. And seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which means to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and start caring about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself. Start being willing to lay down your life, cast your bread upon the waters and hope that it comes back to you after many days. If you do not do that, do not expect to draw near the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit of Christ is what gives you that is your comforter that is what will give you access to the salvation of christ and if you believe in christ there's no argument you will want to sit down the tens hundreds of thousands you will want to take care of one another because you will want to keep his commandments you will not want to go to the men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other So we see the phrase, the woman of my people have ye cast out from their pleasant houses, the women of my people. So, like I said, that's that separation of the woman from the household. Get her out in the workplace. Now she, now her, when she worked as a housewife, all her labor, all the blessings of her labor came upon the house came upon the children, came upon the husband. It was all bestowed, 100%. Nobody could take any of that labor that she gave freely to her family away from her. No portion of it was taken from her. It was 100% bestowed upon the family. But when she's gone out in the workplace, she may have to pay 14.5% uh Social security tax she may have to pay 20 30 40 50% income tax her neighbor, labor now belongs to the state belongs to pharaoh she has to work in the mud pits she has to make the bricks for pharaoh because she has gone out of her pleasant house and from her children she's not she doesn't know what her kids are learning in school She doesn't know what they're teaching them. uh, And she's certainly not teaching them. No, no, this, this is what they predicted. It's happening. It's happening before you. So I had a few questions here. Will you repent of the wages of unrighteousness and seek the daily ministration of charity and love and the making of the way straight that John the Baptist said? If you have extra food, you share with those that don't have enough. If you have extra coat, you share with those that have no coat. How do you do that if you don't sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands? How do you do that in an efficient, wise way? And, of course, that's why Christ commanded that we sit down in those tens, hundreds, and thousands and why we created the network so that you can figure out how to do that. Now, you have to do that in the name of Christ and come in the character of Christ. Do it to serve others, not to be served by others. So I say, if not, can they hope that their king shall pass before them. And, of course, that's that's where it ends up in Micah 2. So we can start taking a look at Micah 3 and see what it has to say. Uh, because, now, again, these chapters do blend into each other, and they're not always separate chapters. But it begins with, And I said, Here I pray you, O heads of Jacob, and ye princes of the house of Israel... Is it not for you to know judgment who hate the good and love the evil who pluck off their skins from off of them and their flesh from off of their bones who also eat the flesh of my people and flay their skins from off them? And they break their bones and chop them in pieces as for the pot and as flesh within the cauldron. Now elsewhere in the Bible we see this idea of we be the flesh and what is to be the cauldron? Well, it's the city. If we devise to have one purse uh we create this civic flesh pot. This is what socialism is. It's a civic flesh pot. We're all in it. And it's it's equated with a social compacts and uh, civil systems. And I have a link there on the page of Micah 3 that will take you to an article of the civic flesh pots, the flesh pots. And uh, we see the quotes, of course, in Micah three, 3 but we also see them in other parts of the testament the city is the cauldron Ezekiel 11.1 moreover the spirit lifted me up and brought me unto the east gate of the Lord's house which looketh eastward and behold as the door of the gate five and twenty men among whom I saw uh, Jazaniah and the son of Azur and Palatia the son of Benahai, princes of the people. Then said he unto me, Son of man, these are the men that devise mischief. That's that plan again. And give wicked counsel in this city, which say it is not near. Let us build houses. This city is the cauldron And we be the flesh. Therefore prophesy against them. Prophesy, O son of man. And the Spirit of the Lord fell upon me and said unto me, Speak thus the Lord. Thus have ye said, O house of Israel. For I know the thing that come into your mind. Every one of them ye have multiplied You're slain in this city, and ye have filled the streets thereof with the slain. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, You're slain whom ye have laid in the midst of it. They are the flesh, and this city is the cauldron. But I will bring you forth out of the midst of it. And it goes on, the city shall not be your cauldron, neither shall ye be the flesh in the midst thereof, but I will judge you. In the borders of Israel, what the borders of the place where God prevails, and this is what you should be doing is going towards that place where God prevails. This is no different than Nimrod, who was a mighty provider instead of the Lord. It's no different than Caesar and his free bread. It's no different than Herod and his uh, Corbin, that was making the uh, the word of God to none effect. It has to do with this greed and wantonness of the one purse. All these areas from Exodus 16:3 and and uh and uh, Proverbs uh we see the same thing and of course pure religion is to provide the needs of society without the covetous practices of the world and taking care of one another's and where we become the temple rather than building these stone temples where uh, where they become treasuries and uh, thieves and robbers can break in and steal what you have because there's nothing left in your treasury. You've all gone this other way. So we make references to this plenty in this Micah 3, but uh see, we do have time to go on. Maybe we'll get another chapter in. It says, you know, when the flesh within the cauldron, we become the pieces for the pot uh in the flesh where they take a bite out of us. And they do freely feed from the pot, as it says elsewhere in the prophets. But Christ came and said, you had to eat his flesh and drink his blood. Well, where is his flesh and where is his blood? In the daily ministration of God. It's what is freely given. Nobody's taking a bite out of you. You choose to cast your bread upon the waters. You choose to give in to the ministers of his church. You get to choose those ministers. You get to choose how much to give them, when to give them, who to give it to, uh, if you should increase the amount or decrease the amount, and you can only do this on an intimate basis, so therefore this is why you need to organize in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Right now you want to be spreading that network about, and, uh, because I know I'm saying to get out of the system, but get the system out of your doings. Get the system out of your mind. Begin to repent. Think a different way. To go and start beginning to go that way according to the leading of the Holy Spirit living within you. And this is what he meant by eat my flesh and drink my blood. If you're saved by the blood of Jesus... Why are you still drinking the blood of your neighbor through the cauldrons of flesh that are created by the city-states of the world and these, and by these people who commit the sin of Jacob and try to buy your dominion, your right to choose by granting you gifts, gratuities, and benefits and making a deal? I tell you what. I will feed you, but you will have to slave for me, serve me, give up your right to choose, give up your inheritance. And then it doesn't work unless you rob the widows and orphans, and that's exactly what everybody's done. So he says in verse 4, Then shall they cry unto the Lord, but he will not hear them. When else did he say he wouldn't hear them? When they decided to have a king. So it did not begin with FDR. It began with the very first president. It began with the Constitution of the United States. And we've gone through this, and we have recordings on it. We have a book on it that's free online. You don't have to buy anything. You just go read it. Most of the people in America opposed the Constitution, but it wasn't put to a vote of the people, we the people of America. It was put to a vote of we the people of the United States. Which began with the names at the bottom of the document. It didn't, it, it did not give them the right to rule over you. It gave them the right to run the United States. And the United States couldn't even exist within the individual states. All those relationships have changed over the years, but they've changed because of your covetous practices and because of your sloth. Because you were not following the ways of Christ. But he said that when you choose to have a king, a president, a prime minister, somebody who could exercise authority one over the other, fight your battles for you. He said he will end up taken and taken and taken and taken and taken in Samuel, 1 Samuel 8. And when you cry out, I would not hear you. And that's exactly what we're hearing again here. Then shall they cry unto the Lord, but he will not hear them. He will even hide his face from them at that time as they have behaved themselves ill in their doings. Thus saith the Lord concerning the prophets that make my people err. Who are the prophets that make the people err? All those preachers who say it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods as long as you do it to men who exercise authority when Christ said it was not to be that way with you. And he goes on in the same verse 5. That bite with their teeth and cry peace. He that putteth not into their mouths. They even prepare war against him. So they're going to war against the people who don't want to bite their neighbors. <laughs> so verse 6. Therefore a night shall be unto you. You'll be sitting in darkness. Because that night will be unto you that ye shall not have a vision. You will not see it. And so many people don't see it. You could explain this to them. But if you're beginning to see this, you need to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and continue the process. Not just be a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. And you need to invest in other people with the hopes that they will wake up more. Maybe they won't see things that you see right now, but you have to give them the opportunity of that discovery. And it shall be dark unto you, and ye shall not divine. And the sun shall go down over the prophets, and the day shall be dark over them. Then shall the seers be ashamed, and the diviners confounded. Yea, they shall all cover their lips, for there is no answer of God. Because God's not hearing their cries. Because they did not listen to the wisdom of God. They did not sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. They did not maintain a daily ministration to practice pure religion and take care of one another in faith, hope, and charity. They chose to follow after the plan of Jacob. Let's get the people to waive their rights and we will offer them benefits. That's what they're offering you is freedom from your responsibility. Remember, religion used to be defined as the pious performance of a duty to God and your fellow man. Now it's defined as what you think about God. Well, it didn't change its definition. Men changed its definition. Which is why religion is only talked about one place in the whole Bible in a good sense when they talk about pure religion. Pure religion being that taking care of the widows and orphans and needy of your society, unspotted by the constitutional orders and systems of government you create. Because those systems are going to be like the systems of the Gentiles who exercise authority one over the other. They'll call themselves benefactors. They'll offer you benefits. But the benefits they offer you are the wages of unrighteousness because they're based on covetous practices. It's that simple. All you have to do is be willing to see the truth and think that different way and become a doer of the Word. Not that you're going to earn salvation. Everybody always, whenever you talk about doing anything, they say, oh, you're talking salvation by works. No, I'm not. You're still salvation by grace. But if you don't have the works, you don't have the faith. If you don't have the works, if you're not doing what Christ said, your faith is dead. It's not real faith. It's fake faith. Just like fake news. You say you believe, but you're not a doer of the word. And Christ said you had to be a doer of the word. The The false prophets who say you can keep on sinning and doing contrary to the ways of Christ, not keeping his commandments, actually breaking his commandments, and still claim to be saved because you believe... Don't understand the word believe. You don't understand what it means to believe in Christ. If you believe in Christ, it gets harder and harder to do iniquity and seek the ways of iniquity. As a matter of fact, you're you're pretty much repelled by it. They build up Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. The Jerusalem over there, that's not Jerusalem. I said it this morning, Jerusalem... Jerusalem is double peace. It's when you're doing it in spirit and in truth and in word and in deed. So anyway, we're coming to the end of the program. So uh, join us on the network at preparingyou.com or hisholychurch.org then join the Living Network by organizing yourselves in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and start learning what it means to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then and until then, peace on your house, and may God be with you. Oh, I see lots of people phoned in. I hope lots of people are listening. But anyway, peace be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom Dot his holy church dot net.